Welcome back to Stat Chat. I am Dave Klatsky of Colgate Men's Basketball. And we are currently still in week whatever of the quarantine. So I hope you're staying safe out there. I know there's been a lot of information and Zoom clinics and things out there, but people still seem to be thirsting for more. So I'll still try and pump uh, these stat chats out as, as much as I can during this this time away from your teams. Today's guest is Darius Nichols, and uh, I had a chance to meet Darius as he was going through the recruiting process for my cousin Alex and Scotty Lewis, who are both currently freshmen there now. And I was excited to to do this one because, in a way, high major basketball is different than low to mid basketball. There, there's more, there's more, there's more stuff involved, like you know, managing egos and preparing guys for the NBA and 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 dealing with all that. That it's I don't want to say we don't deal with, but it's just not as prevalent at the lower levels, and. It was kind of refreshing to talk to Darius and realize that it still is about basketball and that they use a lot of the same principles and philosophies that we're all using and, and to hear his language and Coach White's language of, of some of the things that have made them successful and what they emphasize and stress. And, and then, you know, we do, we get into the landscape of basketball and I thought it was great to pick his brain and hear his thoughts on some of the upcoming changes that are I don't think passed yet, but about to pass, because whether we like it or not, this college basketball world is is changing, and uh, you know we we got to try and prepare ourselves for it. But to hear opinions and thoughts of those you respect is important, and I think you you got to bounce ideas off each other. None of us really know what's going to happen, but we can kind of postulate and guess and and uh, and talk about it and and prepare yourself the best you can. So. Um, this was, this was great. This was a fun one. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. And, uh, here we go. Today's guest is Darius Nichols from the University of Florida. Darius has currently been with Florida since 2015. Before that, he had stops at Louisiana Tech, Wofford, Northern Kentucky, and of course was a tremendous player at West Virginia during his playing days. Uh, Darius, welcome to the show. How's it going down there in Florida? It's going well, Dave. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I guess since we are in this uh, corona still, um, we would love to hear what you guys are doing as a team, you know, to kind of keep your guys engaged and, 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 and get a hold of them and, and keep them thinking about the team at this point. Yeah. Well, the last few weeks, most of the stuff we've been doing is basically just making sure our guys are uh, doing their schoolwork. You know, because we don't get to see yeah. them every day, and, and uh, you know they're not they're not with our academic advisors and their learning specialists and tutors, um, like they usually are. So they they're doing everything virtually, like everybody else. But uh, our main focus has just been communicating with them and their parents, and and sending them weekly assignments of what they have to do to get done. And you know it's crazy because the parents have kind of turned into the academic advisors now because you know they <laughs> see them every day. So. Uh, you know, now it's kind of flip flip roles where, you know, we used to get the calls about, you know, them asking us how they were doing the school. Now we're calling them and asking them how they're doing the school. So um, that, that's that's our main concern over the last few weeks. Um, you know, as far as the workouts, that stuff is kind of hard to do. Um, we were able to send them 
you know, kind of a care package with stretch bands and, and kind of kind of the stuff they use on a daily basis here in the weight room. Um, so we were able to send them those and, you know, they have workouts that they can be doing at home. Um, so we just put, we, we kind of put them in the ownership position just to kind of get the other guys together via Zoom or FaceTime or whatever to do some workouts together as a, as a team, but nothing, nothing that we've set up. Yeah, no, we know you, I think they passed a rule. We weren't allowed to do that. So of course yeah. not. Uh, um, right. and then are your guys, like, are they able to play basketball? That's been one of the things that our team is about half of our guys don't really have access to a basket, right. you know, let alone a gym. Um, yeah. How are you guys managing that? Is, are people able to do that or are they just, you know, dribbling a ball in their living room? What, what, what how have you guys been managing that? Uh, it's crazy because each kid has different uh, situations. Um, you know, some kids have basketball hoops in their backyard and goals, and some have them in their house. Some don't have any. Some have a few few uh, gyms where they can sneak into every now and then. But other than that, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you just got to be creative. So, you know, talking to some of the guys, they're frustrated, and they're, they're saying, oh, man, we, we're ready to get back to school. But I sure. mean, there's nothing they could be doing here. Um then they then they're doing it home, so everything's closed here. So we just told them, we said, "This is man, you have to be creative. You can't you you can't use this time and and use it as an excuse." So I didn't have a job. I didn't. Have, there's something you could be doing, whether it's reading right. or something, you know, working on your mind or doing ball handling drills or something. There's something you could be doing, even if you don't have a. Are you guys um doing Zoom meetings with your team? Um, and how often and, and what, what, what are those besides, you know, just stay on top of your yeah. schoolwork? Is there any other purpose or point to those? Are you guys doing um, stuff like that? Yeah. You know, we thought about doing that, but honestly, I think there's so much, I don't think there's as much good that can come out of that as bad. Um, so we haven't done the team's own meetings. One, because it's, we, we live in a world where you always, uh, you know, so many transfers, so much going on, people in the draft, people not in the draft. So you're trying to you're trying to have a Zoom meeting and this some kid may be focused on the draft, some kid right. may be having thoughts right. about transferring and, and you know, it's one of those situations you don't want to put anybody's business out there. So we haven't been doing the t- the team uh Zoom meetings. We've we've been doing some individual uh meetings with the guys, but nothing as a team. Um Right. And now, what about your staff? Like, what, uh, I assume, are you, you guys can't go into work, right? Or maybe you can down there, I don't know. But are you, no, are, what, can't. what are you guys, you can't, you can't, neither can we. Um, are, are you guys doing anything, you know, out of the ordinary or, you know, besides obviously recruiting at this point? Um, yeah. What do you, what are you guys doing as a staff? You know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's been easy for us, but it's been different for us because with our scholarship situation, we didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to sign three or four guys. Um, where a lot of a lot of staffs, you know, had had a lot of scholarships to fill, so they're doing on campus kind of like Zoom official visits and campus tours, and we didn't have to do all that stuff. So for us, it's been it's been a good time where we can kind of reflect on the season, focus on getting better individually as coaches and like as a program. So we spent a lot of our time just figuring out what we could have done better this year, how we're going to play next year. Um, so we didn't have to focus on the recruiting part as much as a lot of other staffs had to do. Sure. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, now, now we can kind of move into the, the basketball portion. Um, so I guess I'll start with, you know, uh, um, you know, just things, are there things that you guys track in practices or games or both, um, that help you in any way possible, whether it's with your team or with, you know, um, who plays, uh, anything at all that you guys track? Yeah, I would say, I would say in practice, just like everybody else, a big stat of ours is, uh, deflections. So, so we chart deflections and then, uh, we also chart, um, turnovers. So the only way, and then we run at the end for turnovers. So, um, man, coach has all the breakdown, but, so you, you want your turnovers at the end, and then the only way you can get some turnovers taken off is if you have double the amount of deflections as turnovers. So, sure. um, you know, so guys know to turn the ball over, so then they, I don't know, they call the bad habit where you try to make up for it on defense and you gamble and stuff like that. But we want our guys to be active, so we, we, chart, um, we chart a lot of deflections in practice. We chart in the game. We don't We don't have a specific – uh, number that we want to get to in the game. Um, it's more so, okay, for the end of the first half, this is how many deflections we have and, um, as opposed to the last game. Right. So, right. Yeah, yeah, we stand, we... Go ahead. The, the turnovers that you guys run at the end of practice, how, how does that, how is that structured? Is it like, uh, you know, I've heard, um, you know, if you get a third practice, if you get 10, then you got to run, or is it just every turnover you got to run and up and back, or how, how does yeah, that yeah, work? Yeah, every, every, every turnover is up and back, so it's individual base. But gotcha. towards the middle of the year, we had a problem with turnovers. So it slowed down practice some, but um, what, what we started doing is um, as soon as that turnover happened, that whole team got on the line after a certain amount of turnovers. So we would give each team, you know, maybe three turnovers, and after that, Okay, the whole team's on the line. And then what it what it did is it it made them think about it in the moment because sometimes after practice it's like okay I'm not even and I, I don't think I had that many turnovers. You don't it's not fresh in your mind as opposed to yep. right after you you made the turnover. So we had a turnover problem in the middle of the year and then we started doing that and I think it got better. Well, yeah, you guys are a young team this year too, or, or inexperienced team. I don't know their ages, but. Um, you know, a lot of freshmen and sophomores. It, did you see growth in that um, throughout the years? Is that is turnovers like one of those things that you know you, you get a little excited as you as you start first start playing, but then you kind of figure yeah. it out uh, as as the season went along. Yeah, it's one of those things, especially when you got a whole bunch of guys coming in from high school to college. <clears throat> you know, in high school you can get away with some stuff you can't get away with in college. And one of the things for us is, you know, we want our guys playing off two feet as much as possible. And it's a constant fight because the guys, you know, they watch the NBA and they see those guys playing off one foot. Yep. And we, yep. we tell them the, the difference is in the NBA, they have defense three seconds. So they don't load up as much and they can't load up as much. Um, but, you know, in, in college, you got guys that just load up in the paint and force you to skip it. So, if you commit to going in there off one foot, a lot of bad stuff will happen. So we used to always tell them, you know, play on two feet, play on two feet. And then so we got tired of telling them. And then once they had a run for the turnovers, right after they committed the turnovers, guys mysteriously just started playing off two feet. So yeah, right. <laughs> so we stopped saying yep. play on two feet. We just said that you're going to run for a turnover, and they started playing under control. 
Now, what kind of what kind of stuff do you guys do in breakdowns to to work on that? Is it as simple is it like as simple as just like guy in the wing, throw him the ball, let him get him get to the middle, and and work like what kind of stuff do you uh, use to practice that? Um, it's, it's easy. It's like easier for us because we have so many managers and we have so many bodies in practice, so we can simulate game situations. So I can't really say we do this one specific drill, but it's just kind of the penetration that we get out of our offense where we use to where, you know, you have to make a decision if the guy over helps. Obviously, you have to kick it out and then re-space. Um, that's a big thing. What we do a lot of is, you know, getting in the middle of penetration, you kick. And a lot of guys, after they kick, they just stand. Yeah. Because they don't know if they're going to get the ball back. But if you if you space quick and – you know they attack now. You're gonna have a shot. So we do a lot of we do a lot of penetration, um, just reading the defense. If guys are going to help, if they're not going to help, um, so just different breakdowns like that. Yeah, I, I, uh, it, and and you guys didn't really play that fast this year, right? Is that this right. is one of the slower paced teams that it looks like? I'm looking at uh, Coach White's Louisiana Tech days, and they were always one of the fastest. And now, last couple of years, you guys have played slow. Is that is that like on purpose or um, just no. by by chance or 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 why? Yeah, well, last year, last year was a little different because we had, we didn't have a lot of depth last year, and we played. Right. We depended on a lot of we depended on three freshmen. You know, when I'm talking about Noah Locke, Andrew Nimhart, and Keontae. Um, yeah. So we had we had to shorten the game. Because um, we weren't really deep, we didn't want to wear people out. This was those guys' first full year of college basketball, so it didn't make sense to try to run and run and jump with some of the teams in the SEC last year. Um, so this year it was just it was it was different. Um, I just didn't think we had the the true personnel to really be that type of team where we can get up and down the floor. Where you you know you have you have Andrew and you have uh, KJ Blackshear and Noah Lock and their best. Their best basketball is not necessarily getting up and down the floor, um, but now you know heading into next year, we our goal is to play a lot faster because I think we have the athletes that we uh, that we're used to having that can really get up and down the floor. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I think how did I mean? I assume it wasn't like a um, don't break. I, it was probably more like. You, you just didn't because of the personnel you had, or or was it was was Coach White it was, it was trying to slow the game down? Yeah, no, it was a lot of uh, you know earlier in the year, you know we had one guy on the team that had a positive that had a positive assist turnover ratio, and that was uh, that was Andrew. So it was yeah, like, you know a lot of times we would get out in transition and you're throwing it up and the guys are making bad decisions. So it's like okay, if we're gonna make bad decisions, we got to slow this thing down a little bit. Right. Right. It's not. It's not like where we wanted to slow it down. Is if we keep turning it over, there's no point around. For sure. But then as, For sure. But then as, as the season went on, guys got more comfortable, and then we started playing a little faster. But it took almost half the season to get comfortable uh, playing faster. Right. Right. And then what about so your transition defense? Uh, so I have a. I have a Inside source of the Florida basketball team, uh, full disclosure, my cousin Alex is on the team. Uh, so I, I've talked to him. Uh, he said that the transition defense is one of the focuses of your guys' improvement, I guess would be the word. Um, yeah. How did you guys manage that? Um, I think we, we just worked on it all the time. 
Um, you know, we, we're doing, uh, you know, we're doing dry offense. And then after we do the dry, oh, you know, we're, we're, you still have to sprint back and simulate like you're getting back on defense. So everything we do yeah. in practice, you know, we transition into transition defense. Um, right. I think, I think the biggest part of transition defense, though, too, is what we made a, we made a, uh, a bigger point of emphasis on was the quality of the shot. Um, so once we started taking better shots, I think our, our transition defense got a little better, too. Yeah, that's something that's not talked about often. Like, I've, I've talked to many people about rebounding, like, um, and I've done some studies that, you know, and I'm, I'm gonna, uh, we're just finishing up our one from this year, but how rebounding, the amount of guys you send actually can right. help your transition defense, which it's, it's counterintuitive, but the shot quality is another one that if yeah. everybody knows the shot's coming and it's a good shot, you kind of do your job better is that what you got is that yeah. what you guys saw yeah that too and not only that it's just like psychologically like you think about it if you got a guy on your team that's shooting a whole bunch of bad shots yeah like you're gonna you're gonna get in your feelings right and you're not gonna feel like doing the hard stuff in basketball you're gonna jog back on defense and, and that that type of stuff like i think people underestimate how much that can break down a defense Oh yeah, uh, I mean it's it's the easiest way to score on offense. So you have to be, and I think too again with your guys' team, the, the young team, it's, that's one of those things I think you start to get better at. Because in high school, you know, you can just like mosey on back, and your athleticism and your strength and size will take care of it. But in college, you're going to get abused. Like you you don't know what you're doing. If you figure it out late, oh my guy's wide open for a three, or <laughs> now he's coming in your league. So yeah. Um, so I think it can definitely, definitely burn you. Did you guys, do you guys have like language that coach uses in transition D? Like what, what does he focus on? I think transition D is one of the hardest things to coach because it happens so yep. fast. And like even live, I think it's really hard to see, uh, unless it's yep. obvious. Like how does he focus on coaching that? Um, I just, I, I think we, we do it so much in practice. Like we do five on four and a half and disadvantage drills in transition. And uh we always evaluate our guys, you know, some people call it different stuff. We call it the first three steps. We always evaluate that. And then we always we always evaluate who's buddy running. Like you know, if we call it we call it buddy running. If your guy's not in the play, you just say, Okay, I got my man. So we evaluate yeah, we evaluate guys loading to the ball. So, you know, if we see a guy buddy running, we tell them we pull them out of the game usually, and then they 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 get mad and they say, "Why did I come out?" I said, "Your buddy run this," and they said, "Right," or 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 you're tired. So, and then they say something like, "Oh, I'm not tired." Well, if you're not tired, you look like you're tired. So, um, you you still have to come out of the game. With the five on four and a half drill, how how does that is that like um the fifth guy's coming or is that like you, you hold them back or is that kind of what you mean by that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The fifth guy, the fifth guy's coming back in the play. Yeah. Okay. We use it. We use um, this, we because it's hard to get our big, you know, big no really on the run. So we usually give our our five man that's going to be on offense. We give them the head start, so it gives them a little excitement to run a little harder to score. Um, it's not a big a big advantage, but we usually give them a, a head start. But it, it's the typical uh, transition drill that you're thinking of. Yeah. 
Yeah, we all we all have it. We all just kind of yeah. mix it up a little different, but uh, I think it's extremely valuable. And it's tough because, you know, transition drills are tiring, and, and I think we get to a yeah. point during the season where it's like we can only do so much transition because you got to think about the wear and tear. Um, you know, especially if you have like we've had we had games where we'd have Monday, Wednesday, or Saturday, Monday. So, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot those two days before the day in between. you got to manage it, but you got to get better, too. So um, right. film, I guess, is a great way to do that when you can slow it up. Um, how, do you guys watch a lot of film? Is that something that Coach White's big on? Like, do you guys watch team film or individual yeah. film? Yeah, we do both, team film and individual film. Um, you know, Coach has a rule where the guys, you know, every day they have to come up to the office they have to, you know, not necessarily see him, but they have to, they have to come through the office. Um, so then, at the end of practice, coaches say, you know, who didn't come through? Who didn't come through for practice uh, for film, or who didn't come to the office to see us? And, you know, if you if you didn't come through, then we got an extra uh, extra twenty two. Right, right. And and um, so how does? Go ahead. So yeah, coach put that in because we just don't. We don't want to. We don't want the first time we interact with our guys or see our guys to be on the practice floor. Um, so you know, if, if the kid's mom or dad calls, or if you know, a kid bombed a test or something, we we want to get out ahead of that before it carries over to on the court. Sure. Um, so that's that's why you put in there. The film part. Um, so. Are you, as assistants, watching like we, like we have at Colgate? We have like four or five guys uh, each that are like our guys. It doesn't mean that we don't interact with the other ones, but they're like more right. our guys. Um, do yeah. you have that there, or is it more like a guy comes by and says, "Hey, coach, can we watch you know ten minutes of film or fifteen minutes of film?" Or is it set up? Like, yeah. how are you doing? It's just everybody does it a little differently. I'm just curious how you guys are doing it. Yeah, so so we we break it up by position. You know, one one assistant has uh, the guards. You know, I have the wings, and then another assistant has the bigs. Um, but we have two guys that are in charge of the defense. Me and uh, me and the other assistant, we're, we're in charge of the defense. So, okay, anything defense related that we want to show the team, me and him will alternate. So we did that because you know it may be a situation where he goes recruited. And now he has to get back on the flight the next day, cut the film, and do all this stuff. So it's better off. We're better off having two guys working with defense. Yeah, to kind of take something off each other's plate. So, so that's for the team. So when you, when uh, when you guys do the team, you do you'll one of you two will do the defense, or will you give it to Coach right. White to to do? We'll, we'll do the yeah. We'll we'll do the defense. Yeah. Okay. One nice. two of us will do the yeah. Okay, gotcha. And, and um, is there uh, – Alex was talking a little bit about the accountability factor after a game on defense. Is that something oh, yeah, you guys yeah, go through and individually, like, kind of grade them to a degree? Yeah. So what we do is defense accountability, and that's after every game. So say a team – say we're playing Mississippi State and they score 72 points on us. So we'll go we'll go through and assign each person on the team like they they're responsible for maybe the full points or half of the points. 
So say so say Alex Klasky doesn't rotate. Say, say a kid gets straight line driven, and a, and Alex Klasky doesn't rotate and help his man. So we may give the guy okay. who got straight line driven one point, and we may give Alex the other point. Because oh, wow. okay. everybody, so it's got to equal. In, it's gotcha. It's okay, got to equal like the that. points that were given up. So so everybody is responsible. Like if I like for example, if I'm doing the scout. And I say, okay, this kid's a non-shooter, and he hits a three. You know, even if we can test every shot, but if a guy on the if he can test, and the guy still makes it, then I'll put that on the scout. That's on me. So I'm responsible for those three points. Oh, awesome! So, you, so you take some of it too, and, and yeah, that's yeah, great. We say yeah. that all the time too. We'll be like, we'll take that one if he hits it, and right. but you, there's no, that's right. just talk. You guys actually. Right. Grade, grade it out and can see. So after every game, you'll come. Who does that? The assistants or managers or is that, is that what you is that the assistants do that? Uh, the grading. No, so our, our our video guy he he takes it and grades it, and he just he so, just has it on the sheet. So after every game, you when you meet with the team the next day, you'll have exactly. You know, obviously it's subjective based on his opinion, but it's pretty close on how good a defensive game you had um, right. based on what you guys value and, and, and everything, how they scored basically. Yeah, yeah. So so what we did, that's exactly right. So what we did is in the past we were just doing, so say Alex Klasky, say he gives up 10 points. Yeah. No, no, let's say he gives up, let's say, yeah, let's say he gives up two points. Two, say you give up two point five points, and then but it's but it's broken down of how many possessions possessions he's played in. Right, right. So so then you divide that by that. So he may be thinking, okay, I played really well because I didn't give up that many points, but you gave up a lot of points based on the possessions you were in there. Yep, yep. So you got to factor so in you, everything, yeah. You have to factor in, yeah. Cause some some guys think they played really well because they only gave up three points, but if you gave up three points and you was in there for two seconds, that's not really good. And what? How do the guys react to that? Are they are they like no way? And then and then you're like, come watch the film. <laughs> no, no, we we they, uh, we let them. We put the we put the whole uh, printout up in front of the team, so they can debate it. So yeah, when they yeah. debate it, we, we we can go to that exact clip and we say, why do you think these you're not responsible for these points? Yeah, um, is, is that something you, you've been with Coach White for five years now? One at Louisiana Tech and one, and four at Florida. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is that something that he's always done, or is that something new that you guys just started doing? We started doing this probably three years ago, maybe three years ago. Okay. Okay. And and I know, like, the other thing that I was looking at with with Coach White and, um, you know, his defensive numbers have always been really good, actually better than his offensive numbers. And then this year you guys kind of flipped, right? Like You guys were really good on offense. And, I mean, you're still good on defense, but I'm seeing 61st. By Kempom, right. which is for him like if, if you go back starting in 2013, no, that's uh, 2016, 14, 5, 24, 16 in adjusted defense, and then this year's 61. What what do you think 
like he's a defensive guy for sure. What what do you think was the difference this year that the offense kind of um, was a little bit better? Um, I I think the biggest part of it because I I thought I thought we had better defenders this year than we have in the than we've had in the past. Wow. Um, yeah. I I just think it, I just think it's all about mindset and how much you really want to do it, and I think defense takes a Great defensive teams have a have an unbelievable amount of trust, and I think with a young team coming in, and you know guys with with a lot of accolades coming in, like I don't think our trust was nearly where it should have been. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with you know the guys who can't defend or the or the schematics that we that we put in. I think it was just the buy-in and trust level of how important defense is. Right. Right, and, and I mean, I guess the, the flip side of that is the offense is pretty good. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. second in the SEC, the and yeah, so maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe you can keep that offense up, and the defense will, you know, naturally yeah. improve, and you guys will be really good next year. Uh, I mean, I know you, yeah, you, I think, you, I think, you, like you said, yeah, I think we'll be a lot better uh, next year defensively because I mean. I just think those guys understand how much more important it is now than than when they when they first came into college basketball. Now the other thing that that it sounds like Coach White is big on, and uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he really stresses no catch and shoot threes. Is that something that yeah. he's been uh, big on? And and how how does he emphasize that? And is there anything you guys do to practice that? Um. Nothing really we do to practice it. Um, we just emphasize it. We just like sometimes we, we may be in perfect uh, defense in that shell where you got to get a perfect stop, and the guy gets a three off, and we just blow the whistle and you know no we we reset the side clock. Um, right, make or miss. So, right, like yeah, make yeah make or miss, and then guys are mad and like he was gonna miss that anyways. And <laughs> it caused I mean it caused a whole bunch of problems, but I mean that's that's our biggest staple in, in our defense is no. No catch and shoot threes. Like we can, uh, we can rotate. We're really good. We're really good at rotating. We've always been a good rotational team, but we can't rotate if guys are making catch and shoot threes. Like guys are too good to to let them get threes off. And, and how much is that? Uh, of that is, uh, I mean, obviously on the ball defense is the most important thing. I think all of our all of our schemes would be great if everybody could just keep their guy in front. Um, and not worry about helping. Uh, how much of that is like? How are you teaching your guys off the ball? To is it stunt and stay? Is it help and recover? Like I mean, or just stay, make that guy score one on one. At your level, it's just so we, different than ours because guys can score, whereas ours, it's one on one tough. <laughs> it's tough at our level. Yeah, we we never we never give up corner threes. So some people help off the corners. We never give up corner threes. Wow. Um, we just think that's high percentage size. So we, we, you get, first of all, it comes down to, you know, the, the personnel who you guard. And so we always say it's, it's different, it's different gaps for different people. So, you know, if I'm guarding a shooter in the corner, I can be a little, I can be a little more in the gap, but I still better not give up that uh, catch and shoot three. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, the biggest thing is, is, is like you said, guarding the ball. Um, but we we would rather have a guy sprint and make somebody bounce bounce the ball without without taking themselves out of the play than than closing out short. 
Right. Right. And then just give up the mid range or, or let them drive into the rest of the team. Um, yeah. And give, and see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. direction that a lot of teams have gone. That's how we try and do it. We, you know, we have one drill we do where it's like four guys on the, you know, closing out to slot, slot, corner, corner. And we will say if they get a shot off, you know, you got to run a sprint or it's a point or whatever we're doing. Um, and so you got to kind of run by the guy. And a lot of times you just do it with coaches too. And we'll, you know, you got to take the shot away. And we'll be, you know, we'll be uh, jerks about it sometimes and get the shot off and so we can yell at the guy. But, but for the most part, that then we go in and try and you got to try and recover. And I think that's kind of, kind of helped, uh, in a way because it's live. It's semi live. I mean, we, we all used to play, so we, we can go a little bit, but it's more to just teach them, you know, don't give up that three. Don't give up that catch and shoot three, which is, People are so good at it now that it's, it's it's like it's like a video game if you give it up because guys can make it wow. so so easily. Um, kind of kind of moving towards what you were talking a little bit before. Now you guys, you know, obviously your program in Florida in general, it, it, it's you're turning out high level players, NBA players this year. You know, a lot of young guys. How? Are you coaching? How are you guys managing in this era that, you know, like, like you said, all Americans coming in that have all the hype and, and, you know, expectations. And can you just talk a little bit about how you guys as staff manage that? Uh, I think it's, it's really hard to do, but I'd, I'd be curious well, to hear how you guys do it. Um, I think, I think that's the one thing we're really good at is, uh, is obviously like you, you know with the higher the level uh player the usually usually the more people around around the kid yeah um so we just focus on just focus on talking to the to the individual kid but also you know maintaining relationships with the people that the kids are to because it's not like it's never going to be a situation where a kid trusts us more than he trusts his mom dad right. AU coach mentor or whatever so you know, for us, it's not a situation where, okay, the kid's on campus and now, you know, you don't hear from us ever again. Because I, I think I think for for these kids to be successful, it has to be everybody around them involved. And, and it can't be a situation where, you know, somebody else is making excuses. We have to all be in there together for that individual kid to max out and get to where he wants to get. So um, I think it has to be some communication. Um and I'm not saying communication not every game because, you know, we always talk about it after the game. Everybody is emotional and why didn't y'all do this? Why sure. didn't y'all do that? And, you know, it just has to be everybody on the same page and, and we can't allow the kids to make excuses because because they will. Because you think about when you were a kid, I always tell, tell people this, you know, when I got a bad grade on, on the test and I went home and showed my mom and dad, they, you know what they would say? they say, what, what happened in this test? And, you know, as a kid, you know what you're going to say? Everybody, everybody did bad. Like you know, teachers explain it well. And that's 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 human nature, and that's what kids are going to do. So we all have to be on the same page, and we can't allow kids to make excuses. So I think the thing, what you're asking, the thing that we do a good job of is just incorporating everybody that's important to that individual kid in the equation. That's 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 great. I mean, I think that's actually different than a lot of programs. I mean, I'm just thinking about our program and obviously it's a, it's you know definitely 
a lower level. And a part of ours is, you know, eliminate the noise a little bit and, and realize right. that the people that are in the gym every day, but you, you're right because there are times when it, things go wrong and, you know, people are going to look right. for places to blame. And if, if everyone in that guy's corner is trusting you and we've had, we've had situations here where parents have been like, no, nah, man, they're, they got your best interest. Like I, right. they, right. they got your best interest. Like what they're saying is right. And I think that right. is built um, to, by talking, you know, it's, it, yeah, like Go ahead. I think I agree with you because I think a lot of people look at it this way: if their kid is playing for a specific school, their that specific parent, mentor, whoever, they have their kids' best interests, but they only have that kids their kids' only interests. Right. So we we have the kids' best interests. But we don't have their only interests. We have 13 or 14, 15 other guys who we have to have their best interests as well. So we're not just thinking of only your specific kid. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I imagine just because things don't always go right for every kid that some of these conversations aren't easy, right? Like, <laughs> right, you know, right. even if it's, even if oh, it's, an, if it's an hour after the game, forget about it. But even if it's the next day or two days, <laughs> like, and things didn't go well. Right. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we've all been there as coaches and I think high school coaches deal with it the most. But, um, you know, it, it sounds like you just got to kind of manage, manage expectations. Right. Like, how are you dealing with that? Yeah. And, and, it, and it's a hard thing to do because, I mean, you know, especially once you get to this level, there's a lot of eyes on you. And I think once those eyes get put on you, like, it's, I mean, attention is a powerful drug, and I think, you know, once once you get some more attention, like, you, you want some more, and then when you don't get it, it's, I mean, it can cause some chaos, and, and a lot of kids and, you know, family members don't know how to handle it. So um, I think uh, I think that's where a lot of issues can come about. Now, now moving on, kind of staying on the same page, um, you know, you guys do have a lot of resources and, and things like that. What are some of the things – outside of basketball that your student athletes get uh, in terms of are they getting um, social media practice or PR expertise? Like what are some of the other things that you can sell to your guys or at a high major level that we may not be thinking of, you know, at Colgate or, or the low to mids? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, obviously we invented Gatorade, um, we're Gatorade school. So a lot of us, a lot of the stuff that Gatorade comes out with, we get first. We're the test school, and they kind of test it on our athletes to see how it's going to, you know, how it's going to benefit them. Um, and we also do uh, allergy uh, blood tests and allergy deficiency tests. So uh, really, each of our guys, yeah, each of our guys do blood tests. You know, twice I think twice a year. And so, okay. it's, uh, so the blood test will tell you you know, actually what you're allergic to, what foods you should and shouldn't be eating. Um, and then it's not like what you're thinking, you know, you eat a piece of chicken and you just, like, break out in hives or anything like that. But a lot of kids on our team, they have certain stuff that if they eat, it will, you know, it messes with their energy levels. So, you know, we had a kid a few years ago, Chris Chioza, who was allergic to the red dye and the Gatorade. And, you know, that just made, that just made him lethargic. So now these guys know 
what their body should should have and shouldn't have. And wow, you know, we we're one of the few schools that do do those tests. That's awesome. That that's advanced. I mm-hmm. haven't heard that before. That that's pretty that's pretty cool. Uh, all right, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but keep going. <laughs> no. Yeah, so so we'll do that. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, our nutritionists, you know, they'll travel with us. You know, they'll kind of help the guys around the grocery store, show them how to shop, what they should, should be eating. In our academic center, we offer cooking classes. Um, so, you know, at, in between study halls or whatever, they'll go down there and learn how to cook something and um, so it's, it's a lot of different stuff. I would say our best resource is probably the other student athletes. Like when you think of Florida, some schools you think of, you know, maybe you're good at football, good at football and basketball. But, I mean, as good as Florida's been at football and basketball, it's the other sports that are really that are really good. Like you, you got baseball, softball, volleyball, you know, tracks, won national championships, you know, gymnastics. So every sport is good. So, you know, you're walking around campus and – you may be on a football team or a basketball team, and you think you're the man, but then you walk past a, a Olympic Olympic medal. Gym right. And you walk right. You're not you're not that big of a deal. Um, so <laughs> I, I just think it creates I think it creates healthy pressure on campus when you got people on on campus that are just as good in their sport or field, if not or if not better than uh, you know some of the football and basketball players. Yeah, sure. You surround yourself with excellence, whereas it's contagious. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Um, now, now, kind of on the same path, you know, it's looking like this name, image, likeness is going to pass soon. I don't know if it'll be next year or the year after. And you guys clearly, this will affect SEC basketball. How are like? What are your thoughts? Is it good? Is it bad? And how will you guys try and attack that? Um, kind of in yeah. advance. So, so what I've heard about it, I think it's going to be good. I hope it'll be good. I mean, I think. So I look at it this way. I think like I'm using uh, one of the ball, one of the ball brothers. I can't remember name. Lamelo, whichever one, who created his shoe. Like, is he like if, right. I'm a, if I'm a student athlete and I create a shoe and I'm in high school, and maybe a few people, I got probably. 50,000 followers on Instagram. And if three of those 50,000 followers on Instagram want to buy my ugly shoe, then I think they should be able to sell their shoe and be eligible to play. I don't see anything wrong sure. with that. Yep. Um, I do think this. I do think a lot of people, when they think of name, image, likeness, I think it's going, I, I think it's going to cause a lot of issues within a team because I think it's going to be the first time where you know these guys are kind of kind of similar to professional uh, athletes because you you think about it, a lot of these kids that want the name and it's like to pass it, they may not have those same opportunities that they think they're going to have. Like we may be only talking about a few kids in college basketball yep. who actually want to be paid for their name and enjoy likeness. So how do we handle that with those kids who are now they're upset because <laughs> because they didn't get the autograph signing or they didn't get the the commercial over at the local pizza shop or whatever. Right. So how how do we hand how do we handle that situation? Yeah, and 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 it, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of situations. Like I don't know if this will be legal, but it should be if you're gonna go this way. But like especially at your guys' level, okay. So you're recruiting, you know, John Smith, and you say to him, "Look, we have a connect like with this dealer or whatever, this company." 
sponsors or uh, not sponsors, that's the wrong word, uh, hires you guys to be in commercials or whatever. And this is what you're right. paid. So this is what you can expect to get paid. And this number five guy in the country comes in and he's getting a hundred grand. And then your 12th guy is getting nothing. But then you get to college and that fifth guy wasn't as good. And he's now getting paid a boatload and the 12th guy is out playing him. Like that, that I think is going to be really tricky uh, the other way, you know, where um, there's going to be some, some jealousy and some, well, you know, I'm the guy getting paid. Should I be playing? Like it's going to be really yeah. interesting how you guys uh, all manage. And I think it will trickle down to our level a little bit, but the numbers will probably be much smaller in terms of the dollar amounts is what I'm guessing. Right. And that, and that's the stuff you, I mean, that's the stuff they want to see if they, they make it to the next level anyways. I mean, you think when you're in the NBA or whatever, everybody knows how much everybody's making. Right. So, you know, you're watching the last dance and you're seeing Scottie Pippen, how he's acting because he's producing and he's on, he's on that contract, but it's going to be the same thing in college basketball. Yep. Yep. So the yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And have you guys started to think about recruiting in, in the, you know, uh, is that the way you think you'll have to recruit is like kind of like grab some people that are going to have opportunities and, and I don't even know if that's what, how it's supposed to work, but doesn't that make sense? <laughs> right. You know, like, um, to do it that way, I, just kind of lock it in beforehand, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I haven't, obviously it's not passed yet. I'm just trying to, think out loud about the best way to attack it for you guys that are going to be competing against others that are going to be doing the same thing. Um, right. Like what, what do you think about I mean, that? I mean, it's hard because like the, the dynamic of recruiting in college basketball is so in, up in the air right now. So we've got so much, we got so much going on if you think about it. So now, now you've got some kids going to the G league. Now name and his likeness is talked about. And then, uh, I'm missing something else that's going on right now. Um, the transfer, the transfer, transfer. Yeah, the one-time transfer. Yeah, yeah, the one one-time transfer. So you got three things where it can change the whole landscape of how you recruit, who you recruit. So you know, I'm I'm really not even wasting time thinking about it right now because there's so much to even consider right now. Right. And and people right. people are saying, man, like this G League thing is that's going to mess up college college basketball. I'm like. People like college basketball usually based on that school, not not the not the individual player. They I completely like agree. I I I completely it, agree. Unless you're Zion Williamson, you know, like right. or LeBron, where you're just you, you you supersede whatever school you go to. A, a lot of times, people the NCAA tournament is what it is because of the schools. Yeah. The play, you know, the players yeah. there they they make the level better, but it's still. You know, whether you have those two guys or three guys that are going to go to the G League, the NCAA tournament is still going to be a huge, huge yeah. deal because of the schools, <laughs> you know. So uh, I, I totally agree with you on that one. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, I, I guess I was going to ask you about the transfer the transfer rule as well. Um, you know, I, I think it's 100% going to pass at this point where – we're in late April, and I think they're going to vote on it next month. Um, does that change how you guys do anything, or, or are you worried about it? Or uh, you know, at our level, obviously we're we're hating it because we're just going to get you know plucked. Our best players are probably going to get plucked uh, 
every year. Um, but how are you guys viewing it from the high major level? Yeah, I don't – me personally, and I'm not speaking for anybody else, I don't like it. Um, yeah, I, I don't like it. But I don't – I also see, like, I know a lot of mid-majors don't like it either. But I don't think this is going to be a situation where all the high majors just come and steal all the mid-major players. Because I, I think it eventually it would balance out to where, you know, I've coached teams where – 11th, 12th, 13th, 10th, whatever. Man is upset. He wants to transfer, but he doesn't want to sit out. So I think it will eventually balance out because you got to think about those guys, you know, the 9th through 13th man. Those guys, like, they want want to play more. So I do do think that, you know, some mid-majors can get those kids on high-major teams when they – when in the past they had to sit out. Right. Um, I, just, right. I, I, yeah. I do think it's going. I think it's going to create a lot more money on people's budgets, recruiting budgets, because you you you're not going to know who's ever on your team. Right. Right. Yeah, you're right because uh, it's just going to be like free agency uh, every every spring. I, I wonder though if they're, you know, so what is there 800 kids in the transfer portal right now? Is the one year that much of a deterrent or? If you were going to transfer, were you going to transfer anyway? Like, of those 800, you know, three, 400 of them are eligible right away anyway. So you're, right. like, I, I wonder, I wonder about that if the numbers are going to like skyrocket like people think. Or, or if you're a kid that doesn't want to transfer, you're not going to transfer. And if you were going to transfer, then one year off never even was an impediment anyway. So, you know, it, what was the difference of sitting a year or not sitting a year? So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think it'll definitely be interesting and, I was talking to one high major coach and I was like, yeah, we'll probably just have to set up like a, a two-way street here. You know, we'll take guys eight, nine, ten, and you take yeah. guys one, two, three and we just yeah, constantly just off. trade we're players. Better, <laughs> we're better off going, like if I'm in, you know, if I'm in New York City, we're better off going to college practices. Like, we're, like, I know. what are we doing? I know. You come to our I know. You're, you go to your practice. Like, and, and see, that's, the issue that's I have crazy. That, I didn't even thought about that. <laughs> Yeah, the the issue I have with that is like so now you have to so you if you catch people tampering or even prove people tampering that that are tampering, you have to do something about it. Yeah. It can't be okay, I think he's tampering, okay, whatever. Like so right. if you're gonna right. if you're gonna change this rule and then you have the tampering rule in, then it has to be enforced. It has to be. And it's such a hard thing to enforce because it's such a hard thing right. to prove. Um, but yeah, it has to be. It has to be. All right. Well, well, Darius, I really appreciate it. It's great to talk hoops with you. Um, obviously, I'm a Florida fan due to my cousin, but I'll probably stay a Florida fan. Um, but yeah, best of luck to you guys down there. Hopefully, we get these things, this thing rolling again and we can all get back on the court where we want to be with our guys. But uh, but once again, I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with me. No, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You stay safe. All right, Tyrus, I'll talk to you. All right, we'll see you.